It's time to sweat it out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We've been following this one for a while now, and I've really learned a lot from his platform. He's a tremendous leader, author, entrepreneur, and he's helping fit pros do better, have more, and go online. Please help me welcome the founder of the PTDC, John Goodman. What's up, brother? What's up? That was a fancy intro. That was cool. <laughs> oh, he's the best, man. He's by far the best. Um, I, I've been trying to get him for a while now to just pay pay him to just follow me around and just narrate my life, you know, for a little while. But uh, no luck no luck so far, but I think I might be making some headway. See, I just get ta- I just keep tallies of all the guests that just keep telling me. I'm like, perfect brownie point, brownie point, brownie I point. I see the hat just keeps getting a little, a little more, a little less notches connecting it every time. <laughs> So how you been, just gets, man? Just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm good, man. I'm good. And and I'll apologize at the beginning if there's a little bit of ambient noise here to anybody listening. That is 100% my fault. Uh, I, I, there's, I'm living in Mexico at the time, and there is no place that I can record that has the combination of reliable internet and no ambient sound. <laughs> yes. So there just so happens to be somebody probably cutting tile, like just down the road right now too. So um, we'll, we'll do the best I can, but I might mute if this happens, like what's happening right now. Uh, so good. we'll make the most um, of it. I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. We're, we're, we're living through COVID well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got to say right off the bat, you know, I've been following – the PTDS or PTDC, sorry, uh, for, for a long time now. And, and you have really made a, a huge name for yourself in the fitness industry. And the company has mainly because you've been able to help so many trainers really go online. And I know that's something that Mendez has been working on uh, himself with his own business. And I'd like to kind of dive into that, you know, to start off, how did you get started? Like what, what made you come up with the concept that like, okay, uh, you know, online is going to be huge. How do I help all of these fitness coaches really drive uh, a business in this, I mean, at the time was still pretty new, right? Was like, there weren't a ton, I'm sure there weren't a ton of trainers all, you know, running their businesses full time online until you came around. And there weren't a ton of coaches coaching that either. Not, no, I, as far as I know, I was the first person to create any kind of an educational system around it. I mean, I created the first education around online fitness training, like teaching other trainers how to do it in 2012. And so, uh, you could say I got ahead of COVID a little bit, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> it was, you know what it was? I mean, everybody talks about how their business is customer centric. And, and it's funny because like 95% of the time I'm like, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Because your entire business is you have something that you want to sell, a product or a service. And then you just build marketing and like try to figure out a way to sell it. So that's not customer centric. Customer centric is listening to your customer and then building what they need. Right. And so I did that backwards. I did like business backwards, I guess. Uh, back in the day, I was so ignorant and I kind of like stumbled upon it. This wasn't a master plan. This isn't me saying that I understood things at the time, but I basically created a community and a platform for personal trainers. And then I just, I did uh, 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 just over a million data points in a survey. I did 147 
13 minute phone calls with our audience. Wow. And I basically just listened to them talk. I asked them, you know, what is it you want to achieve? What are your biggest frustrations in the industry? And that was in early 2012. And out of that, I was able to break down the problem that all good trainers about one year out in their career hit into one sentence, which is fitness professionals need to figure out a way to make a bit more in a bit less time with a bit better schedule. Like that's literally it. If you can solve that problem, all of the nonsense in our industry goes away. Because most of the nonsense in our industry, yeah, like, like, like scammy stuff, all that kind of stuff, it happens because the fitness business model is so ass backwards. And so people are forced into those positions. If you can solve that problem, people are forced in those positions. The majority of the people in industry are incredibly good people, passionate people. And, uh, and they really want to do good. And it's really easy to create a narrative that we're doing good when we're not objectively doing good when we're forced into that position. Uh-huh. Right? So, so that's kind of how it came about back in, in 2012 was really just saying, okay, well, what's the real problem here? Yeah. And um, I don't think you can ever build a business or build a product until you understand the problem deeply. And I think a lot of people would do well that are in business in any business to spend way more time defining problems and way less time taking action before they're ready. 100%. And and so I'm happy that we did that early on. No, very spot on, man. And, and, you know, going back, you were – literally one of the first resources I would look into when seeing, um, when going for help online, when it came to personal training, um, and how to go about it, being able to solve my own problems. So yeah, definitely. I saw your growth. Like Josh said, we saw your growth. We saw where it began and where it led to, where it's leading to to today and how it continues to grow, which is truly amazing. So early on, what were some of your main platforms that you were using, uh, back then to really get your name out there, to really connect with these individuals, Versus what you're using now. It hasn't actually changed that much for me. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so slow moving. Um, you know, I'm, I've kind of, I've kind of always just been Switzerland in this world. I'd, I've never chased spikes for better or for worse, which meant that I've missed out on a lot of short term gains. But then I always remind people about Snapchat and Periscope and TikTok and all of these things that are just like obsolete, right? Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, join Clubhouse. Oh, join Parler, whatever it is. I'm like, I, I'm just not going to do any of that. I wrote a book in 2011. So I started, before I started the blog, I had a book for personal trainers because at 24 years old, I was so ignorant around why all of the reasons why I shouldn't write a book that I just wrote a book for my industry. And, you know, I, I, I can tell you that whole story, but like, basically I just knew so little about how hard it would be and all of the reasons why I shouldn't do it that I did it. And the, the benefit of this was back in 2009, 2010, when I started that process, it's not thrust into your face, all of the things that you should know about something you have to go out and seek them. Mm. And I think that one of the biggest problems perhaps that plagues us today is that we know too much about stuff and that actually stops us from taking action. Um, I, I, I love the idea that I call the ignorance quotient of like, how much do you need to know about a thing to avoid catastrophic failure? And then at what point do you reach where knowing more about a thing could actually be detrimental? Right, because then you start to think about all of the reasons why you shouldn't do something, or all of the reasons why. Oh, I just need to know one more thing, and really, that's just an excuse for procrastination. So, I had a book when I started my website, when I started the Personal Trainer Development Center website, and that was a blog. 
And I started a blog before I knew what the word blog meant. This is how ignorant I was. I literally didn't know what it meant, right? And, uh, and so I, for some reason, pretended that a lot of people were reading my blog before they weren't and said that people are going to be pissed off at me if I don't publish every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. and email that out to nobody who's on my list. <laughs> and then I kind of sat down and I thought, I was like, okay, well, I have like maybe two good ideas a year, but there's probably a lot of other people out there in the world speaking to personal trainers, educating personal trainers who also have one or two good ideas a year that are all on their own websites. Why don't I all just bring them into my website? And if I can get one or two good ideas a week every year, well, that seems like a pretty good website. So I started syndicating people's work before I knew what the word syndication meant. And, uh, and that was really, really cool because that's just a matter of abundance. Like if there's good people out there in the industry doing work, I want to support them. I want to share them. I want to include their work, right, on my platform. And, and so I always just kind of did that without thinking. If there was somebody who had a good blog post on their blog, I would figure out a way to reach out to them to get connected to them. And I would ask them to repurpose their blog on my site. So with John, them so attribution, I, I pay him 50 bucks. I don't mean to stop you uh, because you said something important there, and I think our audience is going to definitely up? get a lot of good uh, uh, you know, feedback from this. You mentioned how you reached out to these individuals, and I think that's one of the biggest things a lot of people are scared to do is actually reach out and get what you want. Um, mm-hmm. How was your reach out? How did you yeah, go about it? Yeah, so let it? me talk about that. How was that? the messaging? I like that you stopped that. <laughs> I would love to dive into that. I like that. that you stopped that. You always want to reach, you always want to figure out a way to add somebody value before you ask for something. Even though I'm supporting them, even though I'm supporting the work, I'm still asking for something, right? So what I did actually in 2011 is I created um, uh, the best fitness articles of the week. Every Sunday at 6 a.m. since 2011, I have published a list of the best content published anywhere on the net for the fitness industry for personal trainers on our website. We still do it. Now it's the best fitness content because we include podcasts and whatever on there. But uh, in, in 2014, 2015 or so, we evolved it and we actually chose people like, this is how passionate I am about good information driving. We actually have people outside of our company pick the list so that it's not biased at all. I'm like, like choose, I'm like, choose my competitors. I don't care. Like the best information needs to be on this list, right? Every week. But at the beginning, I'll tell you guys the secret that <laughs> I don't talk about very much. This is the like Machiavellian stuff. At the beginning, I controlled the list and I used it as a way to get ahead of outreach of people. So if I knew that I wanted to reach out to somebody, I didn't want to just send them an email and say, hi, I'm John. Do you want to like get on a phone call on a Skype back then? What <laughs> I would say, what I would do is I would go to their website. I'd find an article they wrote. I'd include it on that next week's list. And then I'd send a message to them saying, hey, I'm John, I run the Personal Trainer Development Center. Look, your article on this topic was incredible, so good that we included it on our list of the best articles of the week. Great work. That was always the first reach out was sharing of their work. You could still do that exact same thing. Every week on your social media, just celebrate other people in your industry. Anybody who you want to meet, Literally just choose a piece of their content and share it and tell and film a turn your phone around and film a quick video of yourself talking about why they're so awesome. Like immediately now it's gonna be way easier to get to know them. So that was my process. Like literally, that's how I built my network from the bottom up. 
was was that. And then once I got to know them a bit, I could make that ask to syndicate their work. And once I syndicated their work, I didn't ask them to share it, but because it was because it made them look good, right? By being a part of our website, by being a part of our platform, they often showed it right away, or the third or the fourth time they showed it. And now all of these people who have established brands and audiences and trust started sending all their people to us. And we are basically nobody acts with abundance mm. today. So we're like the only ones doing this, right? And all of a sudden now our platform is growing, growing, growing to you know, today we'll reach two to three million people a year on the blog. Congrats. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, at, our, at, our, at our highest in like Facebook's heyday with organic reach, it was three to five million, four to five million, but it's gone down a bit um, just because Facebook doesn't send it. But I mean, most of that traffic's from Google, right? Right. Just because we've been doing this for so many years and so many people have linked back to us because of just this like every day, every week, we've just included other people in our thing and showed good work. And it was just that process over and over and over and over again, the types of things that so many people played lip service to, yeah. mm -hmm. but so few people actually do. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's actually really funny that you bring it up. We talk about it quite a bit on the podcast, like being, being down here in Miami, that's all you see, right? It's like people who tell you that they can connect you with this person or they can bring you this or right. they can, and you're just sending back like, so do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, Do it. Show yep. me. Yep. Show me before you know you you because I'm like I'm like just looking at my watch, just counting down the seconds. Like okay, five, four, <laughs> three, and here comes the thing that you're asking for now. You know from me. It you know it's like yeah. when you especially when you've been in our industry for so long, right? Like everyone asks for free programs. Everyone asks for free workouts, free advice. You know, which I every now and then I don't have a problem giving to people, especially the advice part. I give free advice forever, but it's so easy for us to just pinpoint like, okay, I know you're talking about something that I kind of find value in, but it, you're not really here to bring me value. You're here to ask me to like right. either come on the podcast or like shoot content with me. But then it's only because you, I have a bigger following than you do. And that's why you want me to shoot yeah. content with you. Cause you never even like yeah. any of my posts. <laughs> you which know? is like, which like, yo, I would have done that if we were buddies. Right. Right, one hundred percent. You know, and we're like huge on ways to, we're huge yeah, on collaboration, right? Like, in our industry, one of the best ways to grow your following and to get a bigger audience is to fucking collaborate with other people, big and small audience. Because, like, you know, Mendez has you know a shit ton more followers than I do, but he's always hitting me up like, "Yo, we need to shoot some videos together. We need to, you know, we need to post some stories." Like, because there there might be five thousand people that follow me that don't follow him, and and if he collabs with me, even though I only have you know, a small amount of followers compared to him, he might be able to pull those people to his page and he might be able to bring value to them and he might be able to sell them on his products eventually. So it's like, you know. And if, how many freaking followers do you need? That's yeah, what I think is the yeah, stupid exactly. shit in this world. Right. You know how much, you know how many customers you need to make $72,000 a year? 72. You need 30 people paying, <laughs> you need 30 people paying you $200 a month. Mm -hmm. That's what you need to make $72,000 a year. You don't need 50, a hundred, who gives a shit, right. man? Yeah. It's quality over yep. quantity. I mean, it it's, it's so ridiculous. The people like we've got people that we work with directly in, in our level one and level two programs that are like doing 50, 70, $80,000 a month. You wouldn't even be able to find the, I mean like 700 followers on Instagram. 
right? And a personal Facebook page. Yep. Yeah. It's so insignificant. hundred percent. And I, I mean, you guys know the influencer space, right? A lot of these people are waiting tables on weekends to make ends meet. Yeah. <laughs> more than, more than you think. Spot on. And I'll tell you, cause even work with my own clients, you know, Obviously, some of the stuff, would, you know, we're in the discovery call, we're talking. Some of the things that they get scared about is the fact that they feel that because they don't have enough of big of a following, they're not going to grow. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you'd be surprised. I know some of the biggest follow, uh, people with the biggest followings verified and everything, and they're still working side jobs to just even survive. Because it's not really about that. It's how do you, how do you operate your actual business? What's the system behind your business, you know? <laughs> to actually get the needle moving. Cause like you said, it's, it's about the quality and what you deliver to that group of people that you have. Cause shoot, you have 2000 followers on your Instagram. That's more than enough. If you actually have those people engaging with you, you actually feed them good content. You deliver value to them. They're going to give you back. And like you said, all you need is a fraction, you know, of an amount, you know, and obviously depending on your product and services that can vary, but imagine just getting a piece of that of 30 to, you know, hundred people of your 2000 followers, you're gold. You're gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and let's talk about uh, let's talk about the other piece of it is just like what comes first, right? You look at the personal trainer development center. We've got like seventy two thousand people on Instagram. Go to our Instagram account. Like it's pretty shit. <laughs> it's but you know we do such a good job with content on our blog. We built such a good network. We support other people and our products are so good that they create so much real change in people that our Instagram following is bigger. Like at any point in time, we can crank that, but we don't care because right. what's more important, right? Our time and energy is way more valuable spent on improving our product, mm -hmm. on innovation, on taking care of our existing customers better. Like. Yep. Right. You know, we're sitting here with 40,000, 50,000 customers a year. Like, why do we care? I'm going to tell you, you one know, thing. Take care, take care of those people, man. If, if, if your social platforms go, go down, you're going to still survive. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter. That's, that's, that's the key. Our social platforms are relevant to what right. we do. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, that's one of the things that we try to explain to people is like, what happens if that goes away? Like what happens I if you say that I shouldn't say that they're irrelevant. Oh, I'll, I'll stop my, I'll correct myself there. If they're not irrelevant. It would hurt. Absolutely. It would hurt. But when Facebook organic reach got squashed to basically nothing, we built up a Facebook page of 240,000. Like we were getting a ton of traffic from there. Facebook organic reach got annihilated, right? All that traffic basically disappeared. Mm. Not a blip on our PL. Right. Right. Well, and that, and that goes back to the, you know, the point I was trying to make was like, what happens if that platform goes away, you know, and you, and you didn't do the things necessary that you need to do to, to reach out to your audience move and to, to, over. you know, move them over to an email list or somewhere where you can really facilitate a, a true community, you know, instead of it just being like, Oh, I like you cause you do backflips on Instagram, you know, it's like, okay, well those backflips really aren't providing anyone value, but my email yeah. list, which provides you with actual real content will, but if I'm solely focused on, you know, getting to 150,000 Instagram followers and then, you know, heavens forbid the government says, okay, well, we're going to start, you know, uh, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, uh, block or ban. Or yeah. Ban people like, or right. we just don't like what you want. Then, you know, you're screwed. Like with TikTok, all these people were big on TikTok and they're like, well, we might get rid of TikTok because it's owned by a Chinese company. All those people yeah. on TikTok were real nervous for a while, weren't yeah, they? They were. Uh huh. You know, because like, that's all they had. Now? 
I would pull so many hamstrings and calves if I try to backflip. Um, I would, I would, I would have way more fake teeth than I already do. That's for sure. I would pull everything. Like, be like, I don't even know you had that many calf muscles to pull. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because I mean, and I have a lot of friends who have built up as you guys, right? Like yeah. big big followings, and it's it's interesting because. I think, I mean, I wrote a book about social media marketing in 2013. It's more relevant today than it was when I wrote it. It's about social media. It's about social contagion theory. It's about word of mouth theory. It's about the psychology of message transduction. And the, the premise of the book is buttons change, people don't. If you understand the psychology of why people press the buttons, why people use these systems, it's irrelevant what system it is because you can just adapt on the fly all based around um, uh, selective self-representation. Basically, every action that we take in a public network, we take because we feel like it makes us appear a certain way. And that improves our, our self-worth. And so, you know, whether you think, Josh, that I'm smart or that I'm smart right now is actually irrelevant to my self-worth. What matters is whether I think that you think that I'm smart. And so think about that in context of like the content you're creating, right? You're not actually creating content to educate. You're creating content that makes other people feel like they look intelligent, intellectual, interesting, attractive, or funny by sharing your work as an extension of themselves, by articulating their voice that way. And so if you can do that, it's actually relatively easy to get stuff to spread, Right, getting stuff to spread on very specific nodes of networks to be able to appeal to people in a very specific way is more difficult, but still can be done with a little bit of strategy. But the numbers are smaller. Right. And and what's what's interesting is I look at all of these people that are out there now. It's like basically just become an entertainer. Yeah. I right. Agree with which that. which means that. You can sell things based off of, you can sell low-priced items based off of fear and emotion because there's no real deep value that you're providing people on the front end. There's no real nurturing. And you're also taking so much of your time with a notebook trying to figure out ways to create a funnier fucking Instagram reel. Or crazier. And that time is not spent actually building good stuff. Right, all of your like our mental energy needs to be reserved. We only have so much of it these days, less and less and less, with how much we're distracted. Like, man, that energy's got to put be put towards the right stuff. Yeah. And it, it's there's going to be a lot of people that are going to wake up five years from now that are going to sit up in their bed and be like, "Man, I wasted a lot of my time back then." Mm. <laughs> So that's you, just the reality. Do you think that this is going to be something that's going to get worse, or do you think it's going to get better over time? I think that, I mean, look, the the fitness industry, a lot of industries are working towards a really interesting long tail pattern. If, if you followed any of Chris Anderson's work where there's a huge consolidation going on in the fitness industry right now, and that's going to continue. Um, that was that was pushed forward by COVID for sure, but it was going on beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, behind the scenes, there are some large venture capital and private equity firms that are buying up a lot of companies, and and putting them together. And this is this is all across tech and education and gym chains. There's a lot of companies that are going to fold. Yeah, 
there's a lot of companies that are going to be consolidated and there's going to be a few huge players. Basically, when you have a long tail effect, when you have a decentralized marketplace, it always eventually creates a long tail effect. And the whole world is going towards decentralization, right? So when you have a decentralized marketplace, basically what happens is there's a lot of like nonsense and noise for a good couple years, which is kind of what we've been in. And nobody quite knows what's going on. A lot of people are doing stupid stuff. A lot of people are struggling. Some people are starting to win out. And, uh, and the reality of it is most work isn't very good. And then eventually market factors kick in. The consumer decides big money always wins always right and buys up the really great stuff puts it all together and you have a few people or one person or one company that just becomes basically it right and this is what started to happen in our industry and then you have almost nobody in the middle and then you have a ton of people on the long tail which is actually this is not me being dystopian this is this is like a really good thing i'm very optimistic about this because what it opens up in the long tail is an almost infinite amount of opportunity for people who are trying to make a good living and be in control of their time and make you know basically any fitness professional right now could make 2 to 300,000 dollars a year with a virtual system yep, agreed 100%. And, and work when they want yeah i don't disagree with any and of that that will that will continue and there's almost infinite amount of opportunity for that there's less and less and less opportunity to build a 10 50 100 500 million dollar company and that will those two spaces will increasingly separate over time no spot on man and it's so funny because this is something that we've we've talked about forever, and we see it more and more. As you can see, that the fitness industry and the health industry is shifting like crazy every single day. And yeah, COVID sped things up like three, five years into the future. At least, and, and it's forced people but, to. But everybody knew it was coming. Yeah. Right? exactly. Yeah, yeah we. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we. COVID. It's not why it's COVID, not COVID no. necessarily. No, yeah. but but the but the transition from the industry. I mean, it just kicked it into yeah. overdrive. You know, it's like slapped everyone in the face and said, like, listen, if you're not. You know, doing what yeah. you need to do to build your online business, like yep. you know, you're missing a huge pillar or silo of what could be your income yep. revenue. Yep. And that's you want to like, hear a crazy stat? Yeah, go ahead. Shoot. COVID, March 2020, COVID hit. We did 5,600 new customers in a week. Jesus. No advertising, nothing. This is how many people had been listening to us for years. Not doing anything. Be like, fitness industry is not serving you. The fitness business model is not serving you. There is a better way. You don't need to be online fully, but you need to be more in control of your time by having an online component. You need to understand the digital component. This is how many people were listening but putting it off. The issue was that it was not quite bad enough. The most dangerous space to be in is things aren't good, but they're not quite bad enough to force me to take action in any way. Yep. And it's that's the space right that we were in, mm. right? I mean, I was I was and battling that myself, you know, with with him. I would tell him all the time. It's like he'd be like, "You got to right. stop training so many people in person." You got, and I'm like, "But the money's good." He's like, "But it's killing a lot of your time," you know. And I'm like, "It but wasn't it, quite bad enough, right?" Yeah, right. COVID came and broke that shit right down. Now it's bad enough. Yep. Right. So now it's kind of the shit will get off the pot moment, which is like a really exciting moment because at that point. You, everybody kind of had a choice. Yep. This had right? to They're like, okay, this had to happen. Had to everybody happen. kind of had a choice. They're like, okay, well, I can, 
I, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to have happen if I'm going to be in this industry full-time. I can do it part-time and, and get a full-time job somewhere else, right? And that's totally cool. I can leave the industry. Totally cool. Like, all that I want is for people to find what's right for them. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I want you to stay in it. I want you to be in the fitness industry if it's right for you, right? Or I'm going to figure out how to basically learn the business side of this because nobody's going to do it for me. But now it's one or the other, and it's kind of forced that. Yeah. That's a really exciting thing for me because every, everybody, everything is going to be stronger as a result. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that that's really the biggest component that's holding the industry back as a whole? Because I mean, I've been saying it for years. I really think most trainers are horrible uh, business people. Like when it comes to like, like to, I see too many trainers like allowing people to negotiate their rates they're saying their rate's too low. You know, they're spending money on things that they don't need to spend money on necessarily. Flashy new toys, you know, or, um, you know, the latest supplement. Yeah. Or they're overloading on certifications they don't need either. Right. You know, would you say, like, the, the business side of things, like, that's really where we need to catch up on in terms of educating people in terms of, the like, the resources available to them and, and how you can how it doesn't have to be super complicated and the importance of getting someone to help you with your books and all of this different stuff that you were mentioning earlier, no. you don't even realize before you get into the industry. I don't think that that's what it is. And this is coming from somebody who's been teaching hundreds of thousands of personal trainers business for the last nine years. Right. Uh, no, I don't. I think that the biggest issue with the fitness industry is uh, the lack of skill as a whole. Um, right now, just to give one example, I believe that computer algorithms can build better workout programs than about 95% of personal trainers. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And to exaggerate that or to, to push that one step farther, um, I believe that I believe that the issue – I, I believe that most trainers don't even know that they don't have enough skill to be charging what they're worth. I believe that there's a large distrust amongst the public towards our profession. And I believe that it's largely warranted because I don't think walk into any commercial gym, mm-hmm. watch people train on the floor. Oh, we worked in commercial one in gyms. Ten. Oh, yeah, we worked yeah. for years. I was shaking my head Maybe. on the floor sometimes. Right. So so think about that, right? Gyms sell trainers as if they're not commoditized. Treat them and pay them and look at them as if they are. And most, a lot of clients have had not great experiences, right, with trainers because trainers don't know how to build programs. Trainers largely don't know how to coach because being a trainer is an unbelievably difficult job that actually can't really be done by a single human. To be an effective personal trainer, you need to be, you need to have the combination of, you got to be in good shape. Being good looking helps. It's not 100% necessary, but like you could never argue that it doesn't help. 100%. You have to be entrepreneurial, interested in marketing, good in marketing, empathetic, motivating, energetic, and good at science and and, and, and biomechanics that like doesn't exist in a human. Yeah. Right. And the fitness industry just evolved for some reason saying make or break, dude, 
out of the frying pan into the fire, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. Like, like, take it or leave it. If you can't do all of these things on day one, you're going to get chewed up and spit out. It's kind of how it was. What's happening now, and what I'm going to be largely leading the charge on too, is emerging technologies are going to take away a lot of the data-driven rote tasks like programming, like adapting programs, all of the mathematical aspects of it. And um, basically centralizing sales and marketing and client acquisition, using emerging technologies, uh, I, I won't say artificial intelligence, but arming trainers with augmented intelligence so that trainers can show up as in, in the most valuable way that humans need to show up in the next five to 10 years, which is in an eminently human way. The best word that I can possibly use to sum up is trainers are going to be best served delivering their programs with love. It is going the, the direction, the support, the accountability, their only job is going to be delivering programs, helping people work through. It, 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 that's it, right? Like I said, eminently human. Because computers can do all of that shit better than trainers anyway. Right. There's, there, I mean, programming, just as one example, is a mastery profession. 10 to 15 years into your career, maybe you're better. I still think I'm terrible. Somebody could probably get in a magazine. I've been programming since right. 2009. I still think I'm horrible. I look it at, takes an unbelievably long time to do it. Mm. I mean, to write a single 12-week progressive program for a single client should take you anywhere from 7 to 10 hours. I agree. Yeah. Like, that's just the reality. Then you need to adapt for that program when gyms close and shut down and open back up. People that travel. client goes away on vacation. Yeah. People travel. That client, I mean, there's going to be tech that's going to be built like readiness to train. So client comes in one day, they're beat up. There's a calculator, a readiness to train calculator. Now the program is going to upgrade or downgrade that day based off of how the program is. Stress all of the calculations based off of stress levels, sleep, all that yep. shit, right? Yeah, which is based huge. Based off of how somebody feels yep, like after yeah. they train. Yeah. How what, is the program then going to adapt mathematically yep. for that person? Like this is just stuff that just computers do better than humans. Right. Yeah, because we hear it all the time, right? Just push through it, man. I don't, you know, like you got to suck it up. You're tired. It's not you're true. beat up. It's like it's not true. Like, you know, any, I, I still, some, most of my clients have been working with me five, six years. They still come in. I'm like, you look dead ass tired and beat up. Like, we're not, we're going to be doing. You go for a walk, dude. Yeah, we're going to do some like, <laughs> some like slow shin boxes and some cat camels on the ground. You're going to do a ton of breathing. They're like, man, but I didn't, you know, I'm not paying you for that. It's like, this is exactly well, you're what you're that. fucking paying me for because. I'm going to tell you the thing that you need to hear and not the thing that you want to hear. And that's, you know? I think that's right. the problem too, is that I think as we go in through the, after we grow in the industry, the, the clientele itself will have to slowly start understanding that this is what they need because there's that stereotypical right. notion of a trainer's here to beat me up, make me vomit, make me sweat yeah. profusively. When in reality, that's not what it is. That's not what you need. If anything, you're going to set yourself further back to injury um, and, and less proper recovery to be able to then, when you are ready to hit a, a more intense workout, you can. 
you know, so I think it's, it's going to be interesting w to see, like you're mentioning, everything developing on the trainer side and the skill set side and computers, and then also on the clientele side, how yeah. they're going to shift their mindset around understanding that, okay, this is what I do need. Do you, do you yeah. see the industry heading in a direction? Because I, I agree with your point that you made earlier about uh, paralysis by analysis, right? There's just too, there's so much information out there for people that they mm -hmm. tend to look towards the granule things that don't really move the needle so much instead of focusing on like being consistent and moving through foundational patterns and, you know, making sure that you're, you know, eating uh, and, and, produ and utilizing the, the proper nutritional habits, right? They're focused on supplements and fit teas and waist trainers. Do you see what? the industry kind of shifting educationally where we do kind of see things uh, cent more centralized and reined in in terms of the the type of of educational content that's out there, or do you think that that falls more on the consumer to figure all of that out? It's a good question. I'd love to be more optimistic than I am on that. I uh, I mean, what what you guys said uh, I think is best summed up by information asymmetry. Um is one of the biggest problems that I see in our industry. There's a massive asymmetry between what consumers know and what trainers know. There's even an asymmetry between what trainers know and what good trainers know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's perhaps more interesting. Got to get rid of right? that lactic acid, man. You got to. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and, us not respecting each other as much as we should. What do you mean you foam roll the hamstrings or the, IT band, you idiot. You yeah. know, it's like, well, yeah. maybe we should like actually support each other and understand that it's it's perhaps less black and white. But um, uh, for sure, I I don't know the answer to that. I do believe that there is an opportunity to do a lot better nurturing. I also believe that um, a lot of these hit type workouts, small group training type platforms, programs, boot camps type stuff, they just have beat the shit out of people for so long that consumers are going to start to look for ways that maybe don't hurt them so much. I mean, the these hit-type programs that are time-based, where people go in for a brand-new workout every day, multiple times a week, and it's all out for like 45 minutes without proper warm-ups or cool-downs, and and uh, there's no progression, there's nothing, everybody does the same thing, maybe with a couple kind of hacked together progressions, regressions at each station. The amount of neurological and physical damage that does to you over time, that, uh, you know, more and more people are going to um, run away from those, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. They're, they're kind of fun for a little bit, for sure. But once somebody has a good program, they see the difference. Right. And what trainers need to get a lot better of and what uh, nurture systems, educating people need to get a lot better of is actually educating people on how adaptation takes place, why you're going to do what you do, why we repeat workouts. Right. Like variability is number four on the list in priority sequence of the core components of program design. Number four, which means it's effectively ignored when you're building a program. Mm. It kind of doesn't matter, right? You've got specificity, you've got progression, you've like, 
it it kind of doesn't matter. And so when you add in too much of that, you never get good at anything because you never get the initial neurological adaptations that lead after four to six weeks to the physiological adaptations, and then you start moving forward, right? So if you could start to educate people on that and give them some early wins, I think I think we're going to start to see a bit of a change. And then all that you need is one or two key people in Malcolm Gladwell's terms, like mavens, to kind of tip their personal networks and be like, yo, you got to check this out. I know you're doing this thing. You're always limping. You're always talking about how you're pulling muscles. You're always talking about how you're tired. Like, you've seen me. You've seen the results I've gotten. Right? This is the real deal. And let me tell you why. Because consumers, once they see it, start to yell off the rooftops, right? Yeah. So I think that will happen slowly. But the business model needs to support the fitness model. Yeah. And right now, conventional personal training is a very expensive, very inefficient way to provide fitness instruction. Yeah. I believe that I believe that a person needs a coach when they need a coach on demand and not for every single rep. Right. I agree. And so the, so there needs to be a system where people have what they need when they need it, how they need it in an affordable way. Mm. That doesn't exist right now. Yeah. So and personal to them. I wanted to ask you in your platform right now, you know, obviously you've touched upon some really amazing stuff. What are the key things that you're focusing right now to give these trainers and coaches the skill sets that you felt that that's what they're lacking the most now is the skill sets to be able to move forward and bring more value. Let alone being a coach in person is hard. Imagine going online, especially for the first time. Yeah, right. What are the skill right. sets that you teach so they can actually be the best versions of themselves for these clients online, um, knowing that even in person is already as hard as it is? What do you focus on? What does that look like? You know, what are those key components that you would drive in first when working with somebody like that that's new to the online game? Yeah, I could talk to you about business structure and I could talk to you about marketing. So I'll do marketing first okay. and then I'll go into business. Like I say business structure really like how you build your programs, how you build your support systems. Like it's really like training structure. Um, but, but all goes in hand because if you can't, if you don't have a training structure that allows you to have a business that serves you, you're going to fall flat, right? So it all needs to be considered and work together. Um, from a marketing standpoint, you know, you hit on it, right? We don't have what's called location bias anymore. If we're training in a gym, people generally won't travel more than 20 minutes to go to a gym. So now if you just happen to be close to them, you get the clients and then just don't screw it up. Trainers used to be glorified order takers. And then all of them went online with a uh, over-assessment, over-assumption of their skill level in selling and marketing and got hit with a rude awakening that they actually weren't that good because all of their clients were basically given to them, even if they weren't given to them. What we teach people is how to create a category of one online to get started. We teach people what we call 1% uniqueness factor. I'm sure you've heard of niching before. This is like two stages past a niche. Right. This is very specific, and I'll give you a few examples of it. Um, Troy Bennett is the Chicagoland cosplay fitness expert. And so uh, 
you know, trained on a gym in Chicago, loves cosplay, very integrated into the Chicago cosplay community. He started branding himself as the Chicagoland cosplay fitness expert. Five clients like that messaged him overnight, right? That's it. Now you're started. If you can get five clients, that's kind of a, the activation point for people who understand software. If you can get five clients and you do a good enough job with them, you shouldn't need to do a lot of customer acquisition over time. And you also, your specific 1% is meant to get those five clients originally. That's why, I mean, we have a promise in our certification. You're going to make those $1,000 in 90 days because five clients at 200 bucks is $1,000, right? Once you get that, well, now you do a good job with people. You understand how to generate referrals. You understand how to get people to talk about you. All of a sudden, now they're sending you people that are outside of potentially that 1%. That's fine if you feel like you can do a good job with them. If it's a referral, you're going to get the business. So um, that's Troy Carolina Belmaras, who's actually now my co-host on our podcast, The Online Trainer Show. But she, um, this was way before that, she is a um, single mom of three from Mexico, lives in Canada, came here, married a guy, a Canadian guy. Uh, they got divorced. And so she's in a whole bunch of communities for single expat mothers, single Mexican expat mothers living in Canada. Wow. Well, that's pretty specific. Dialed right? in there. Love it. She wrote, of course, in Spanish, um, her story one day in, in a Facebook community. She wrote her story one day that basically ended with how fitness has helped her through this and how she's so happy that now she gets to help other women go through this, right? 800 plus comments of people writing their email saying that they wanted to train with her. Incredible. From that, she invited all these people into a paid webinar. I might, I think it was five bucks the first time she did it, where she did a paid webinar, and then she filled her coaching out of that, right? This is one Facebook post in one group, one time. And there's no believability with something that happens once. So she did it again. This time for $7, exact same result. Filled a webinar, filled her training, got paid for the webinar, filled her training. Because she was so specific, right? She's the only one monkeying herself that way. And I can give you tons of different examples like that. Uh, and also answer questions of like what to do if my people can't afford training that I want to train and all that kind of stuff. We can get into all of that if you want, but with examples. But you've got to figure out what it is about yourself that is so unbelievably unique. What is your uncommon commonality? People don't buy training from you because of the 99% that makes you the same as everybody else. Who gives a shit that you help new mums burn fat, right? It's irrelevant. There are people with way bigger marketing budgets, way bigger platforms that say what you are saying way better than you do that market that way. You've got to carve out and go deep with this tiny little area and the interesting thing is if you start there and work backwards you know exactly how to build your program because you know what these people need so much you know what kind of support they need so now you know how to build your program now you know what workouts assessments nutrition everything that they need right now you know the type of pricing that's appropriate for them now you know where they are what's best instagram facebook TikTok, LinkedIn, they're all good enough. Where are your people? Well, I don't know who my people are. Well, that comes first. Mm. 
Because I can tell you right now, we have students who are crushing it on every single online platform and in like Toastmasters locally, right? Like anywhere, like, like that comes first. How, what kind of language do you use? What messaging do you use? All of this stems from that 1%, right? And all of it builds your vision forward. And the best part about this is once you know all these things, then you put blinders on and execute, man. There's no dilution of efforts. There's no, oh, should I be doing this? Oh, that person had success over there. Maybe I should do that thing this week. No, you know exactly what you need to be doing and you're executing forward into that, which I always say to people, figure out what that is and relentlessly execute in that space for six months. There is no chance that you will fail. Literally no chance that you will fail. So that's that's marketing. Um, in terms of in terms of programming and stuff like that, it all stems from basically how much you need to make and how much time you have to deliver the service. So you kind of need. I mean, we have like calculators that people work through in our in our certification. But really, if you if you sit down and you do an honest assessment of how much money you need each month to be able to cover your bare expenses. Like what's your rent, what food, do you support anybody else? How much money is needed for their rent, mortgage, whatever. Uh, and then like discretionary income that, you know, like like do something special for my wife fund, right? What's that number for you? It's a, it's a pretty simple calculation. It doesn't need to be complicated. Is that 3,000, is that 5,000, is that 8,000? Whatever it is, get that down on paper. How much money are you making now from things that you would do until the day you die no matter what? Maybe that's zero or passive income. Maybe that's zero. Maybe you have a number. The difference now is what you got to get to, right? Step one is the highest yield efforts you can possibly do to get to that number. Because once you hit that number, now you know that your needs are taken care of. Now you don't have fear of taking action. And so... I uh, what what we teach people I call this my freedom number equation it was handed down to me by uh, a mentor that I actually trained back in the day uh and this is what changed my life and it's the most basic thing ever when I was a personal trainer this is what helped me go from 40 hours a week to 25 hours a week to 15 hours a week to writing a book to starting a website to building a multi-million dollar international company like literally it all started with understanding this because this gave me the confidence to be able to take action where others were scared because I understood how much money I needed and then built a model around that. And so then you say, okay, well, what do my people need? What services do my people need? How much time is it going to take me to deliver the service per client? Okay, well, now you can do a calculation to figure out exactly what you have to charge per client, right? So if you've got five hours that you can work on this and you need to make, let's say, $2,000. Okay, well, in that five hours, you've got to make 2000 bucks. So you've got to make sure that your packages and everything like that align. Like that's the objective truth of your situation, whatever it is. And you've got to just do that math and play around with it. And when you first do the math, you will probably recognize that you are grossly undercharging for what you're delivering. Mm -hmm. Amen. A that. lot of people, when they begin working online, as to exactly what you just said, figure out that they're working harder for less money. Just because you're working online doesn't mean that you're working smart. I did that for two years. <laughs> ten dollar, so ten dollar, ten dollar workouts. You know, like like programs. You got it. 
it was rough. And you 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 do the math of how much you're making you per hour. You're like, I'm making three dollars an hour, right? Nothing. So um, time now. Yeah. So that's that's the process, right? Figure that out, and you and you might be really disturbed by the numbers. But that's the objective truth, which means you either need to offer a lot less for the amount of money you're going to charge or charge way more. Somebody named Sarah, I was speaking, this is the last thing, and then I'll, I'll let you guys talk. So I think our time's about up too. But uh, at the ACSM summit years back, I spoke about online training. It was, I don't know why they brought me out. There was 70 speakers. Two of them didn't have PhDs. I was one of them. Uh, it was kind of funny. But Sarah walked best, up right? to me, and she was just, oh, it was, it was so, I don't, like, Get in the next room, like somebody's speaking about like cardiac rehab, and I'm talking to people <laughs> to build an online training business, right? He's like so talking about the latest like you, research man. of why you should go for a walk. We're going to bring you on. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. So, so Sarah walked up to me outside, and this was in San Diego, and she just, it was under a palm tree, and she just walked up to me. She's like, hey, John, like, really enjoyed your talk. I'm actually in your online trainer academy, and um, I'll be honest, it's not going so well. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I don't want to deal with this right now. Uh, right? I was like, okay, what's going on? She's like, well, I like, I'm, you know, I got a couple clients, but I'm working so hard and I'm not making much. I was like, let's go through this exercise. I popped open my computer, opened the calculator that she didn't quite like do herself. And she was a life coach. So she's offering like a lot of time, a lot of her time on the phone and not charging enough. And she was, again, a single mom. She had two kids, super busy. And she basically, I basically looked at her and I said, this calculator shows that you can take three clients and you have to charge them $800 a month. Well, but I could never do that. I was like, whether you do that or not is irrelevant. Objectively, based off of what you told me you want to offer, how long it's going to take and the constraints of your life, this is the situation, which means you have two options. You can offer a lot less and charge what you're charging now. Or you can find three clients who are going to pay you 800 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. She messaged me two weeks later. She said, I thought about what you said. I have my three clients at 800 bucks a month. Amazing. Done. Because think about what decisions go from there, right? If you know that you need to get clients that are going to pay you 800 bucks a month, well, now you've got to market an affluent service. You've got to network in different places. You've got to speak differently. Right. You've got to brand differently, mm -hmm. right? If you don't know that, you don't do that, you can never build that type of business. And so now she's good, right? That's why this is so valuable. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I think I think that that's an amazing place to end it just because, you know, you, you wrapped up so much quality stuff in there that I think a ton of people are going to take away. I mean, I probably learned, probably learned more from this podcast talking to you in an hour than oh. I probably learned reading 55 books in the past, you know? <laughs> But because a lot of it, as we were talking about, has a ton of fluff in it, right? Like a ton of stuff that you yeah. don't actually need. Yeah. And, and what we really need is just cut and dry, honest objection, right? Objective truth. And like, okay, this is what it's going to yeah. take. And you do it or you don't do it. It's not, you know, if they buy your your course, like it's up to them to do the work, right? So, you know, all you can do is kind of, as Mendes always says, like kind of just be the GPS to their car, yeah. you know? So I actually, I actually take it personally if they don't, if they don't succeed. Um, I, I, I believe with what I sell in ruthless accountability, mm. where if somebody doesn't have success with something that I produce, I literally don't want their money. Like we're going to do everything we can to get them successful. And if they're not, we're going to give them back. We have the most ridiculous guarantee and refund policy. 
the amount of people who messaged us when COVID hit that bought the online trainer Academy, like three years previous that were like, yeah, I never opened the books and, um, look, COVID hit and I really need money. Can I have my money back from your program? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Wow. And we gave it back to him. Crazy. Amazing. Right? Amazing. So, so I do believe that. Um, but it's much easier to do from my standpoint where we have a good business with good margins and, and, you know, kind of a, it's, it's a healthy business versus somebody who's starting up. It's a lot harder yeah. to do that. So I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, I, I really want to say thank you one more time for, for you coming on the really podcast and sharing so much insight with our audience. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't really think we've uh, gotten so much tremendous value so far from a guest. So, so I'll thank you, right. you. Simple, easy to understand and digestible. And that's the most important thing that you laid out here was for people to just be able to run with this already, start applying this. And if they want deeper, they know where to go get the deeper information. That's it. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate yeah, it. Sorry where about some of the background uh, noise, where, but that's all right. Where can people uh, reach out? How can people reach out to you? What's the website for uh, PTDC? Uh, well, if you're, you're listening to a podcast, so if you want to check out our podcast, we've got one called the Online Trainer Show. It's about online training. It's kind of a mixed comedy and business podcast. Oh, right. Uh, so if you're into having fun and learning and nonsense and dumpster fires, uh, but also learning a lot of good stuff, Online Trainer Show. That's yeah, where, uh, that's where you right want to go. It's it's fun, man. Um, yeah, we have we have a lot of fun doing it. The Online Trainer Academy is our certification. You can Google it. Personal Trainer Development Center is our website. Where I mean, there's over a thousand free articles on there. So that's oh, incredible. Um, it's incredible. One find of the, any of my books. Find any of my stuff from there. Great. One of the biggest resources that I've used over my huge, career. So so huge. thank you from the bottom of my heart for cool. for helping me get to where I've yeah. been. And really do appreciate it. Appreciate that, really, really thank you, thank for, you. For, for just showing up and really driving this value on us and on everybody out there listening. Um, it, it's, it's not, it, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to really create some massive impact. Um, you know, so personally, again, I want to say for myself, thank you because you've been somebody I've modeled, um, and been following for years now since almost practically the beginning. I think I started following like in 2013 around there going deeper right. into 2014. So mm. it's, 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 yeah, we've been fans little for little a long less, time. A little bit less gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> less gray hair yeah. We're not, too far, I don't think I'm too far behind you. <laughs> so don't. When, when you've been on the internet for 10 years, I mean, I'm, I'm like a great grandfather at this point because the cycles move so fast. It's so, <laughs> so interesting. True. Like, like I've mentored people who mentor people that now mentor people. It's incredible though. It's, yeah. it's, it's the weirdest thing ever. And I'm fully just the grumpy, just crusty old man with a fanny <laughs> pack. Like, what are these kids doing? Like, always. Uh, anyway, I appreciate you guys reaching yeah, out a lot. Yeah, um, same here. This was fun. And yeah. Awesome. So I, I got to ask you, I always say, what's the biggest piece of advice you can leave off to all our listeners today in one sentence? Shit, you're going to put me on the... <laughs> you're going to put me on blast like that? <laughs> oh, man. Find the truth. Boom. Find the truth. I love it. Be ruthless in finding the truth. Be unemotional about finding the truth. And don't be satisfied until you actually find it. That's great. Nothing That's else matters. It. Doesn't awesome. matter what you John want himself. to be true. Yeah. The Thank only thing that matters is what is actually true. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Until next time, guys. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Sweat It Out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review.